As the rector of St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, may I welcome you very warmly to this service. Our doors are open once again, and we're now able to offer a said service of Holy Communion each Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. But these online acts of choral worship, which draw upon archive recordings of our choir and congregation, combined with newly recorded readings, prayers and sermons, will continue each week so that you can enjoy the full wonders of our amazing choral tradition until such time as we can sing once again. I shall be offering this act of worship on your behalf, so please join your prayers with mine. May the light and hope of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them.
It is a great delight to welcome you to St Bride's to our choral Eucharist on this, the eighth Sunday after Trinity. Wherever you are in the world, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St Bride's family. We begin with our opening prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may serve you in newness of life, to the glory of your name. Amen.
Almighty Lord and everlasting God, we beseech you to direct, sanctify, and govern both our hearts and bodies in the ways of your laws and the works of your commandments, that through your most mighty protection, both here and ever, we may be preserved in body and soul through our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading is taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 32, beginning at the 22nd verse. The same night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go, unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans, and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. This is the word of the Lord.
epistle is taken from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 9, beginning at the first verse. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it by the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my own people, my kindred, according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from them, according to the flesh, comes the Messiah, who is over all, God, blessed forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Jesus withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them, and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. 
send the crowds away so that they might go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled, and they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. At long last, our museums and art galleries are starting to reopen again. One of the things I've always loved about living in central London is having such amazing art collections within easy reach. Indeed, many of them are within walking distance of where I am standing now. It means that I have the privilege of being able to visit and revisit certain works of art that speak to me particularly powerfully. And one of them is a sculpture in Tate Britain that depicts the incident described in our Old Testament reading this morning, in which, at the river Jabbok, Jacob wrestles with a mysterious stranger throughout the night. The sculpture is by Jacob Epstein, and it is entitled Jacob and the Angel. In case you haven't seen it, it is a colossal work depicting two imposing figures of very stylized and almost primitive simplicity locked in a close embrace. But it is surprisingly hard to discern what kind of an embrace it is. Is it an embrace of love, in which the angel is supporting the limp figure of Jacob, holding him upright, or is the angel crushing the life out of him? Jacob's eyes are closed, but in agony or ecstasy. It is that very ambiguity that I find so fascinating and intriguing about the sculpture, which is one of the reasons why I return to it often. But if Epstein's sculpture is perplexing, stranger still is the biblical story that inspired it. Let me remind you of its contours. Jacob is on the way to an encounter with his brother Esau, but he discovers that Esau is bringing with him a large contingent of men, so he is in fear of his life. This prompts Jacob to send a gift for Esau ahead of him in the hope of effecting a reconciliation, but he is still full of apprehension. It is at this point 
that Jacob reaches the Jabbok stream. His wives and servants and children all cross safely and Jacob is left alone. We are then told without any further explanation that a man wrestled with him until daybreak. We are not told who this man was, where he has come from, nor why he and Jacob ended up competing in this physical test of strength. In the event, Jacob holds his own until the unknown stranger knocks his hip out of joint. The stranger then asks to be released because dawn is breaking, but Jacob refuses to release him until he receives the stranger's blessing. The stranger blesses him, but refuses to give his own name. And so it is that Jacob realizes that he has been striving with God. And so Jacob names the place, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. What a bizarre and perplexing story. By sheer coincidence, on the same day that I first read that text in preparing this sermon, I came across a quotation from one of the earliest Christian theologians, Tertullian. Tertullian was writing in Carthage in North Africa at the end of the second century, around the year AD 197. So what I'm about to read you really does take us to the very roots of Christian tradition and reflection. When writing to his fellow Christians about the nature and purpose of worship, Tertullian made the following rather startling remark, and I quote, we gather in one body and congregation so that we might wrestle with God in our prayers a violence pleasing to him. We gather in one body and congregation so that we might wrestle with God in our prayers a violence pleasing to him. Do you know, I don't think I have ever before heard it suggested that the purpose of our worship was to engage in a kind of prayerful wrestling match with God, let alone that such violence, a strange word indeed to use in the context of worship, is pleasing to him. But there it is and coming from the mouth of one of the most influential theologians of the early church. But the more I think about it, the more I believe I can perhaps glimpse what Tertullian is talking about. Because if there is a genuine personal encounter with God in our life of prayer, then of course it will involve struggle. There is a parallel to be seen in our human relationships. There are probably people in your life to whom you feel the need to be polite, but that is as far as it ever goes. And that is almost invariably the mark of a relationship that will only ever be superficial. By contrast, in those relationships that really matter to us, 
with those people who are closest to our hearts, alongside all that is joyful and life-giving, the likelihood is that there will also on occasions be fireworks and times of strife, because real relationships with those we care about tend to be like that, and because we do not keep the people that truly matter to us safely at arm's length. I don't know if anyone these days still reads the marvellously humorous and humane books by Giovanni Guareschi, dating back to the 1940s, about a character called Don Camillo. Don Camillo is a very opinionated and rather hot-headed Catholic priest in a village in rural Italy, who is engaged in a constant battle with his greatest adversary, the communist mayor, Pepone, a conflict with which often risks descending into actual blows. But there is also a third character who is central to the action, who, surprisingly enough, is Jesus, who looks down on their petty disputes from the large crucifix in the village church. And Jesus and Don Camillo have the most wonderful relationship. Don Camillo constantly addresses Jesus with his own stream of woes and complaints, and Jesus replies and doesn't take any nonsense at all. I shall read you a very quick extract just to give you a flavour. In this following piece, Peponi's wife has unexpectedly turned up at the church with two other people in tow, holding a small bundle which turns out to be a baby that they want Don Camilo to baptise. When they arrive, Don Camilo is up a ladder, polishing a saint's halo with brasso, and he asks about the baby. Whose is it? inquired Don Camilo, coming down from his steps. Mine, replied Peponi's wife. And your husband's? persisted Don Camillo. Well, naturally. Who else do you suppose gave it to me? retorted Peponi's wife indignantly. No need to be offended, observed Don Camillo on his way to the sacristy. Haven't I been told often enough that your party approves of free love? As he passed before the high altar, Don Camillo knelt down and permitted himself a discreet wink in the direction of the Lord. Did you hear that one? He murmured with a joyful grin. One in the eye for the godless ones. Don't talk rubbish, Don Camillo, replied the Lord irritably. If they had no God, why should they come here to get their child baptised? If Peponi's wife had boxed your ears, it would only have served you right. If Peponi's wife had boxed my ears, I should have taken the three of them by the scruff of their necks and... And what? inquired the Lord severely. Oh, nothing, just a figure of speech. Don Camillo hastened to assure him, rising to his feet. Don Camillo, watch your step, said the Lord sternly. Duly vested, Don Camillo approached the font. 
What do you wish to name this child? He asked Peponi's wife. Lenin Libero Antonio, she replied. Then go and get him baptised in Russia, said Don Camillo calmly, replacing the cover on the font. The priest's hands were as large as shovels, and the three left the church without protest. But as Don Camillo was attempting to slip into the sacristy, he was arrested by the voice of the Lord. Don Camillo! You have done a very wicked thing. Go at once and bring those people back and baptise their child. But Lord, protested Don Camillo, you really must bear in mind that baptism is not a jest. Baptism is a very sacred matter. Baptism is... Don Camillo, the Lord interrupted him. Are you attempting to teach me the nature of baptism? Did I not invent it? And so it goes on. What is absolutely wonderful is both the way in which eternal forces combine with little incidents from everyday life, and also the glorious no-holds-barred, note the, wrestle, the wrestling metaphor, by the way, relationship between the priest and his God. And this is a Jesus who has no time for any of our selfish nonsense or pious claptrap, and does not hesitate to tell us so. But I'd like to close by returning to the story of Jacob wrestling with God at the Jabbok. Do you recognize the kind of experience when, like Jacob waiting to meet Esau, you are facing a situation that holds great fear for you? At such times, during the hours of darkness, you can find yourself feeling completely alone, like Jacob. And you can face a nighttime of struggle with a force that feels as if it could overwhelm you. But somehow you manage to hang on. And with the dawn comes a new perspective. What had seemed a source of struggle brings with it the possibility of blessing. The strange force that you feared would crush the life out of you is in fact an angel who is holding you close. Sometimes the hours of darkness are the times when our prayers can be most heartfelt and most robust. And sometimes it is then that, like Jacob, by the grace of God, we find the strength to hold off all that causes us to fear and instead meet the new day as a gift and as a blessing that brings with it new life and new hope. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the priest. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten and not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. 
for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have promised to hear the prayers of those who ask in faith. We pray blessing on your church and all who serve in faith and love on all who have found their calling, and on those who search it. We pray blessing on all who are exploring a life of faith, and on those who will help them on their journey. We pray blessing on all whose faith has been tested, that they may remain steadfast. We pray blessing on all who join in worship, in every place, in every language or culture, by any means or media, that we remain one body in union with Christ. Lord, in your mercy. Hear, hear our prayer. We pray wisdom on all who lead and make decisions on our futures. The ministers, governors, rulers and lawmakers. We pray integrity on those who implement decisions. That all may strive to live together in love, peace and unity. Open our eyes to the beauty of your creation in all its diversity, to the delicate balance of nature and the demands of human progress, that we might know and behold the miracles displayed around us. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our, our prayer. prayer. We pray blessing on this community of St. Brides, on all who gather for worship on Fleet Street or from their homes, on our officers and guild, on our clergy, staff team and musicians. Blessings on all who have been welcomed here in the past through baptism, marriage, worship and as visitors 
and on all who will pass through our doors in the days to come. We pray blessing on all who live and work on Fleet Street and in this parish, and pray hope for a return to the vibrance of its life, the camaraderie of colleagues, the welcome of visitors, and the sustainability of businesses. Lord, in your mercy, hear, hear our prayer. We pray comfort on all who are sick, all who are injured, all who suffer troubled minds, and all whose lives are drawing to an end. We pray for all who are suffering the effects of coronavirus. Particularly, we pray for our colleague Sally. We pray healing strength and hope for a return to good health and an active life. And we pray thanks for all who care for and nurse our sick and frail. Give them strength and courage to live out their calling. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. We pray peace and eternal rest on the souls of all who have now departed this earthly life. For those who have been released from pain and suffering, those whose lives have been long and fruitful, and those whose time on earth has been all too short. And we pray for each one of us left bereaved, that our lives may be richer for the memories of our loved ones, that we might hold those memories dear, carrying them in our hearts until we too join you in your everlasting kingdom. Lord, in your mercy. Hear, Hear our, prayer. our prayer. Merciful Father, accept, accept these prayers, prayers for the, for the sake, sake of your of Son, Son, our, our Saviour, Saviour, Jesus Christ. Christ. Amen. Amen. Will you please stand? Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and we share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise. Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. For he is your living word. Through him you have created all things from the beginning and formed us in your own image. Through him you have freed us from the slavery of sin, giving him to be born of a woman and to die upon the cross. You raised him from the dead and exalted him to your right hand on high. Through him you have sent upon us your holy and life-giving spirit and made us a people for your own possession. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing.
Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord through him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence, as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. 
we do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercy. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen. Let us pray. Strengthen for service, Lord, the hands that have taken holy things. May the ears that have heard your word be deaf to clamour and dispute. May the tongues that have sung your praise be free from deceit. May the eyes that have seen the tokens of your love shine with the light of hope. And may the bodies that have been fed by your body 
be refreshed with the fullness of your life. Glory to you forever. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.